Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Rockies Now podcast. You can follow us at Rockies Now on all of your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, X, Instagram, and our threads page. I'm your host, Stephen, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Tom. Tom, how is your week going? Pretty good. How about yourself? Well, it was a uh, pretty difficult week, uh, to be honest, as a Denver sports fan. You got the bus losing last Saturday to Oregon, and then uh, the Broncos getting eaten alive by the uh, Dolphins, and then, uh, of course, the Rockies losing uh, 100 games the other day. But other than that, not too bad. Um, yeah, it's not a, not a great week to be a Denver sports fan, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, yeah, the Rockies, uh, we're going to be talking about it tonight. Um, the Rockies, for the first time, in franchise history, uh, they've lost it, lost 100 games, and uh, they're at 101 right now. But uh, looks like they might be able to win tonight. Um, Looking good so far, yeah. Yeah, so far. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully the Rockies can uh, knock on wood. By the way, uh, yeah, you can never, you can never be too certain of anything, especially right, yeah. with, especially with certain teams like the Dodgers. Right, and uh, you know, and and I'll never forget that series. And I think a lot of Rockies fans can remember the the series back in 2019 against the Padres, where I think we were up like by a boatload of runs. And then all of a sudden I remember watching that game and I was like, yeah, we got this in the bag. I wake up the next morning. I find out that we lost like, Oh yeah. That was probably one of the worst losses ever in the history of the Rockies. Uh, and I know we lost 25 to one, I think uh, against the angels this year, but yeah, that was a frustrating loss, but hopefully it uh, looks like the Rockies should be able to hang on um, because I know the Dodgers they are in the playoffs right now. And uh, you know, they're, they're looking like they're um, kind of resting some of their players. So, um, but yeah, over the last week or so, the Rockies, um, they, they've been kind of cold, right. And, you know, in our last podcast, the Rockies were, uh, swept by the Padres on the road. And then the Rockies went to Chicago where they got swept by the Cubs and, and the Cubs just got swept by the Braves. So, uh, they got their medicine there. So, uh, happy for the Braves go Braves, by the way, as they go in the playoffs, uh, I guess they will be my team, if, if, uh, you know for me uh, going to the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I mean, right now, if the Rockies can hang on to this win, it looks like they will uh, get that series split against the Dodgers, which, you know, is, is still uh, huge, especially from the, for some of the younger players um, because this time of the year, you're just kind of getting at bats in and trying to create some positivity for next year and going into the off season. And of course, you know, um, in just a minute or two, you know, we'll be, you know, I would like to talk about something I read in the uh, Kyle Newman article. I'm not sure if you read that um, yet, but uh, it, it's very, very good for those who are listening. Um, I highly recommend going uh, and checking out Kyle Newman um, at, De- at the Denver Post. Uh, wrote an, a very good article about the Rockies for an office and uh, analytical department and the farm system. So check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you know, we, we say this each and every week, you know, it's to be expected that the Rockies are going through this transition and this period of, you know, poor play and losing. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's a part of the rebuild, right. And, you know, rebuilds um, are, are going to happen. Right. And it's a part of the game. It's not anything new. Um, You know, it happens. Right. And so, um, and, and especially with the, you know, with the Aeronauta trade a, a few years ago, it was, it was leading down the road to, to rebuilding. Right. And I think all, all, a lot of us knew that. And I think the Rockies under Jeff Rice were like, Oh, maybe we'll try to, you know, without Aaron try to get back in the playoffs. Well, obviously I think uh, when he was 
you know, when he was, when it was stepped down and, and Bill Schmidt take, took over, I think Bill Schmidt quickly realized that, you know what, we got to go through this rebuild, even though it would be painful, but it's a necessary um, thing to happen, especially for the Rockies in, in such a big move there. Um, but overall, I, I'm just happy, you know, that the young kids are playing and honestly, yeah, you know, it was a frustrating series um, against the Cubs and the Padres and, and it's been a overall frustrating year. But at the same time, though, there's a lot to be excited about, you know, going into the offseason. And I'm excited, you know, for the next few years. You know, I think the Rockies have something special coming. And I think there's, you know, there's a lot to be excited about, especially in some of these younger players. Yeah, especially, I mean, we've talked about it. I don't want to say a nauseum, but, you know, I think you and I are just trying to be realists here and trying to keep maintain some level of positivity as far as, um, you know, keeping good spirits with what would be considered by most a dismal season. But, you know, I mean, I can compare it, you know, the White Sox, my other team there at 99 losses, they're get closing in on 100 losses, just like the Rockies. But the difference between those two teams is the White Sox are trying to be competitive this year, whereas the Rockies had a young, most, a, most, a largely inexperienced team, and they're trying to find their identity. And with, and as you and I have talked both off, and via text or by via phone and on the podcast, you know, the Rockies, they are starting to find their identity a little bit and guys are starting to understand what their role, what their potential roles could be in the future. If that, if the particular player in question that we would be talking about is going to be part of the next Rockies contender. And as you and I can both agree, and I would like to think a number of our listeners would agree, there's a number of guys on this team that will be part of that next team in 2024, 2025, and hopefully success with more continued success beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and it's understand. like, I understand why people would be, I mean, there's, I think the other night when the Rockies lost the hundred games officially, you know, against the yeah. Dodgers, they got, they lost 11 to two. There was a lot of, you know, tw- Twitter or X basically blew up. Like I, I predicted mm-hmm. it was going to happen. I actually, you know, tweeted out saying that it was probably going to happen. And it did. And I saw a lot of negativity. I saw some positivity, which is great. But I think, you know, you know, I'm trying not to be mean or step on the feet of these people. But I find it very hilarious how all of a sudden when the Rockies lose 100 games, they're like now they're saying that they're bad. Right. It's like they're they're acting somewhat surprised or they wait till, you know, 100 losses to happen until they kind of throw the book at the Rockies saying, oh, they need to sell. They need to do all this and that. Um, And it's just it's and for me the other day it was very frustrating just like going on social media and just like seeing all the negative comments and but at the same time though it's it's almost to be expected because it feels like every single team does this right i mean you know my brother reminded me look at the pirates you know a number of years ago they had you know a very good farm system yet they were still bad right and they got a lot of negativity from the media from their own fans and, and and now they kind of have a culture like the Reds that is starting to become very exciting and very bright, right? And, of course, you know, O'Neill was injured at the beginning of the year. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's to be expected when a team is going through a rebuild or go through one of these stages, it's easy to point your finger at the ownership or at, you know, the front office, the management, the players, whatever, you name it, right? It's easy to do that and you point fingers and say, you know, this is the worst team, blah, 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 in baseball, whatever, right? And, and I had people – flat out tell me that the Rockies were worse than the Oakland athletics. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, and not only that, it, yeah, it's, it, it, it made me yeah. almost blow up. It's just like, how in the world are the athletics better than the Rockies? And I had somebody tell me that the front office, 
and I'm not kidding. They told me that they were better than the Rockies. I'm like, how in the oh, world is the Lord. athletics front office better than the Colorado Rockies? And and basically, I didn't try to fight them. I just, you know, I just, you know, waved it off. And I was like, I didn't want to call them whatever, but it just, it was very frustrating. And, and I politely disagreed with them. But I just, it's, you know, and honestly, you know, I, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to go out and say it. If you, if, if people are tired of being a Rockies fan, you don't have to be here. You can find a different team. There's but plenty of choices. There's 29 that, other options. Exactly. And and see, to be a fan, you have to be with your team through thick and thin, mm-hmm. right? And that's what that's what you call a loyal fan. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I hate to say this, but there are not a lot of loyal Rockies fans out there. But it's true. And unfortunately, it's for a lot of other teams out there that went through rebuilds, Reds fans, right? And what happens when they become good? A lot of bandwagons jump on and say, oh, yeah, I've been a fan since whatever. But yet a year ago, you were boycotting the team and you said, oh, sell the team, whatever. And now I, I will say that their owner might not be the greatest. I don't mm-hmm. believe there's necessarily a perfect owner out there. Um, some owners make mistakes, right? Every owner has their flaws. But it's just like when somebody tells me that this specific ownership that is forcibly trying to lose games and they're trading away every single one of their good players, unlike the Rockies, you call, they're calling that better than what the Rockies are doing right now. And that they, it's just, I don't know, it, you know, I, I was trying to get away from that, but that just kind of, you know, burnt me up a little bit inside. And so, yeah. um, and, and so, yeah, like if those that are listening or those that, you know, on social media, if they say, you know what, I'm tired of being a fan of this team, I'm tired of being hopeful for this team. You know, I've had people say, you know, I've been hoping for this to happen for a long time and still nothing's yet ha- happened. Look at the Cubs, right? A hundred well, yeah, years, I mean... two generations of no World Series rings, right? And yeah, you know, they had some good seasons of going to the playoffs, but, you know, a lot of people just stuck with the Cubs and look what happened. They, they go out and win a World Series. Yeah, and not, to, and not to mention, you know, when you look at the whole landscape of Chicago, Chicago has two baseball teams, and in that 100-year period, there were only two titles between two teams. So that's even more pathetic, to be honest with you. And, you know, I, I first of all, I'll say on you, I'm a loyal I'm a loyal fan. I always will be. I'm rooting for the White Sox since I was five years old and rooting for the Rockies since I, my early teenage years. And I'm going to live and die with them. I'm going to be right there with them. And, you know, I may not agree with everything that whether it's the owner the front office is doing or i don't agree with this this player being on the team or that player being on the team but as a fan you know you can vent as much as you want or scream about as much as you want or boycott as much as you want but you know it's not there's you know our you know i'll say it bitching about it is not going to change much so all you can do is hope for the best and just support your team that's what you you wear in our case wear the black purple silver and we're going to ride and die with our team and just to add a couple comments to your art, to your arguments against the people who gave you pushback. First of all, Dick Monfort is better than John Fisher's an owner for a couple of reasons. One, he actually knows where he wants to keep his team. I mean, John Fisher is just trying to play two sides of the argument. He's trying to be, he's going to go where whoever gives him the best deal. Whereas Dick Monfort loves Denver. He will stay in Denver. The Ro- as long as he's the owner, the Rockies are staying put, which is a good thing. We're not losing our baseball team. Number two, he actually is not afraid to spend money, whereas John Fisher is basically pushing, trying to get everything out of the, trying to push a penny. I guess you could say, how do I put this? The cheapest payroll out there. I mean, they, and also they only have two prospects in the top 100. All this losing and trying to get the best draft picks and trying to draft the top, the top 
ranked prospects. They've only got two in the top 100. The Rockies have five, as you and I have commented on a previous episode. And I also mentioned also people, if people were complaining, you wanted Jeff Bradich fired, you got your wish. He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. And then you wanted and you wanted the Rockies to start over. They did. And Bill Schmidt's a better guy to do it with. He is actually got a background in scouting. He is the former director of amateur scouting of this organization. He was a scout for he has a decade long, I mean sorry, decades long career as a scout. He has a plan. He knows how to draft and develop. And the biggest challenge is for for the Rockies is they can't just sign the top tier free agent pitchers. It's really difficult to do because it's tough to lure them to to be then Colorado Air. So, you know, again, you know, I, we you and I don't want to go on much of a rant here, but the point is you are a hundred percent correct. If you don't like how a particular team or in this case a business is run, and it doesn't have, and we and whenever it comes to a business, we're talking whether it's in the food, whether it's in the food business, the finance business, whatever the case may be, any company out there, you don't agree with their principles or what they stand for or how they're being run, don't support that company. Don't buy their shirts. Don't buy their yep. food. Don't go, or in this case, don't go to games. Don't watch on TV. It's that simple, you know. Yep. But you and I continue to do this because a we love to do this. I love sports. I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. The Rockies and White Sox are my two favorite teams. And in the White Sox case, I'll be much more happier when the Reinsdorfs finally sell the team. But as far as Dick Monfort, he's not afraid to – the difference between him and Jerry Reinsdorf is Monfort's not afraid to spend money. People wanted Nolan signed long-term. He gave us he gave Nolan that contract, and it was well-earned. And and the thing was, people say, well, they traded him. Well, Nolan wanted out. He, yep. wa- he wanted out, and it's not – and I don't hold any hard feelings against him, you know, because after the 2019 and 2020 season, I don't blame him. He's a guy who should have a chance to compete. But anyway, the point is this, as you and I have commented fruitlessly, people should be excited. And we'll talk about some of the players we think that'll, uh, that we think had a good year this year and will be great moving forward. But the future is bright. We just have to be a little bit more patient because it could, great things could be closer than we think. And I'll, and I'll briefly mention that, you know, a lot of people say, why aren't the Rockies spending money like the Dodgers or the Yankees? Well, simply because it's called market size, right? And the Denver market is, small to medium is it's, it's, it's very, very, uh, it has a small margin and you might be wondering, well, why aren't the Rockies spending all that money? Well, a lot of it has to do with ticket sales and t-shirts. And a lot of people have been saying, well, you know, ever since, you know, Aaron Otto trade, well, I'm not going to, bu- I'm going to boycott the Rockies. I'm not going to go to the games. And actually a lot of those fans it's working, but a lot of the fans that you see at the ballparks are casuals, which, you know, I'm fine with that as long as, sure. You know, it's, you know, Coors Field is a wonderful ballpark. Like I, I went there once and, you know, I'd love to go there more. It's just that I live a little bit further away from, you know, most of the people that go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people just argue, well, why aren't the Rockies spending money? Well, simply fact it's like less money in the stands means less spending in the offseason. It's, and also I uh, real quick to your comment. It's also timing right now is right. not the right time. Yeah. Not the right. Yeah, exactly. And see, you know, people wondering, well, why did we like how how did we sign Chris Bryant? Well, if you remember, twenty twenty one, the Rockies actually I think was one of the best teams in terms of attendance. Not to mention they had the All Star game that year. Right. And so, when you spend money on tickets and merchandise, the Rockies will spend players. They'll, like, and listen, I, I understand that the Chris Bryant contract might not be looking too good, and you know, it's still questionable to see if that was a mistake. But I, I tend to somewhat disagree. But we'll see. Um, I think Chris Bryant can still be a very good player, not only on the field, but in the dugout and the clubhouse. Um, and we've talked about that numerous times before, but simply put, that's how it works. And, and see, 
Um, one thing I want to quickly get into is that Kevin, you know, not Kevin Newman, Kyle Newman, excuse me, Kyle Newman, who writes for the Rockies um, with Patrick Saunders on the Denver Post. And I think today uh, he came out with a new article. It's very, very good. I, I quickly read over it. Um, as a matter of fact, I took a couple screenshots of it. But basically they were talking about, you know, the Rocky season and how, you know, how can we shape and mold some of these Rockies young pitchers, right? And because it's just like, you know, you know, it, it feels like for several years, the Rockies are like, you know, obviously pitching is, is going to be key for the Rockies to move forward, right? And, and see, um, a lot of it has to do with injuries. Um, but, you know, and, and seeing what the Rockies have done and see the Rockies, I think they kind of know what they need to do in terms of pitching. They can't go out, like you said, they can't go out and get free agents starting pitching. It has never worked at Coors Field, and it never, probably it never will. Why? Well, we've seen several examples. Mike Hampton in 2021, I mean, not 2021, that would have been uh, 2001, right? Um, <laughs> you know, mega deal, huge. And he, I don't think he barely survived that season. I mean, he, they, they basically got rid of him right after that. Um, you know, and the Rockies, in years later, they got guys from the free agent market starting pitching, Kyle Kendrick. In 2013, I believe, didn't do so well. 2013, 2014, one of those years, didn't do well at all. The Rockies, they have had hardly any success from free agents starting pitching. That's why they like. That's why they won't come here. Pitchers are afraid to come here through mm-hmm. the free agent starting pitching market. What will come will be bullpen pitchers, right? Which you know, there's been a lot of them that have had success. Brent Suter, for instance, I know he's been kind of cold recently. But overall, he's had a good season. If you look at his numbers, he's actually had a solid season. And um, relievers and closers, they will work here because you're not pitching as much. You're only pitching usually on average an inning. And that's it, right? And so – yeah, I, I throw. I, I throw. Oh, sorry to cut you off, but just real quick, I throw. Uh, Wade Davis was not a horrible kind no. of a horrible yeah. signing. I mean, he is the franchise leader, single season franchise leader in saves. And Adam Ottavino, I was. I think he was also quite a good sign, a good reliever signing too. Yeah, and I, I kind of wish that we could have, you know, signed back with the Rockies, but also, you know, and I think I was going to mention something about Jeff Breidich. Jeff Breidich, I'll just quickly say that he didn't spend money well at all, <laughs> like terrible. <laughs> Again, and of course, I'm going to get to do this in a second, but. Mm-hmm. The Jeff Reich situation and the the way the front office was run during the Jeff Reich situation was absolutely garbage. It was terrible. Yes. Like yeah. if you read, there's articles out there saying that people weren't doing their jobs, mm-hmm. and of course a lot of people like to make fun of this, but there were literal people in the front office doing laundry. That's how bad it was. And then when Bill Schmidt came in, he's like, "Enough of this. We're getting rid of the, those people." Basically, Bill Schmidt fired or got rid of all the people that were in the Jeff Reich front office, and actually. This was not really reported much. Nobody really knew about this because people were like, oh, yeah, well, the Rockies, they have the same front office, same people. No. As a matter of fact, and you, I think you, uh, I think it might be in the new article. I'm not 100% sure, but Bill Schmidt and I think Chris Forbes, who is uh, a big part of the Rockies front office, said in the article that they're looking to add to their analytics department this offseason. And by the way, I think it was it last year or a couple of years ago, the Rockies hired multiple people from outside organizations from, I think the nationals, the Dodgers, the twins, the Rays, um, into their analytic, uh, staff. And that's great. And, and see Bill Schmidt knows that, the, Hey, this team needs help because there's actually a list in the article where you can see the number of you know people in their analytics department. And 
it's it's pretty embarrassing uh, actually because the Oakland Athletics have I believe eight people only eight people in their analytics department. Yeah. Next up is at eleven is the Rockies, and so I will say that the Rockies they need to improve that, and I think the Rockies know that. But what Jeff Reich did to the front office was completely terrible. It damaged. It, it just it was just messy, and I think that's what that's why Nolan Arenado was very furious and upset with Jeff Reich because Jeff Reich was kind of like in a loop it's just like what are we doing here are we winning are we trying to lose what are we trying to do and that's why nolan arenado left is simply because of and obviously we've, we've heard all the articles and, and news about how jeff Reich and nolan didn't get on, along very well uh they had a big fight you know and, and so on and so forth and um but yeah like we you know we could talk all night about this but simply yeah. stated in the article it there's a lot of hope to 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 be had if you're a rockies fan because the rockies they're planning on adding more people to the analytic department because the Rockies, I think they're, I think they're looking toward teams like the Rays and the Orioles and, and other teams out there that, you know, they don't spend a whole lot. I mean, the Rockies, they do spend money, but they're not like the Dodgers or the Yankees uh, or the Red Sox, but the Rockies, they want to look at it, you know, at the guardians or, or the Rays and say, Hey, how can we kind of be like them? And how can we get solid talented players? And I think Bill Schmidt said today or uh, the other day, in another news article I read that this off season is going to be more of looking for talented players, like what they got in Nolan Jones last year, which is makes me very excited because there might be guys out there on some teams that have a lot of talent or, you know, maybe their top prospects and maybe the Rockies will trade for them. I don't know. We'll see. But um, well, what I, what I would say about that is I think <laughs> when you look at uh, Bill Schmidt as a, as how he operates as a leader and as a um, general manager, I would say he is kind of, like I said, his background is scouting. He's an old school guy, but he's a progressive thinker, which I like to call a hybrid. You're a mixture of old school and new school where you're trying to imply, because I think that both analytics and uh, traditional scouting have their place now in today's modern game. Neither should go away. You know, anal- you know, the game should not be consumed by completely by analytics. You need there are certain things that that numbers on a spreadsheet or on a computer cannot tell you, cannot tell you about a particular player. You it can't tell him as a teammate. It can't tell you particular instance about how he act, how he behaves in the clubhouse or on the field. Can he throw behind the runner? Can he hit the cutoff man? Those kinds of things. So. I just think Bill Schmidt is more of a progressive individual, even though he's, I guess you could say a silver Fox. He's an older gentleman, Um, but he does have a plan. And the truth is I I don't think the Rockies will adopt the complete Tampa Bay Rays model and keeping the payroll extremely low and just based off of different ways of evaluation. But I think they're going to be progressive. They're going to be more new age with their evaluations. But when the time comes, like, as I pointed out timing, when the timing is right to supplement the roster, the young core with vet, with talented veteran veteran free agents, Dick Montfort will kind of break out the checkbook a little bit. Yep, I agree. Um, and you know, in the article, it talks about how you know, uh, you know, uh, Blake Goldsberry, who is a uh, bullpen, you know, guy for the Rockies. He, you know, he was talking about how you know we're using and seeing more data, and you know, and, and see, and I agree with you. And I think, I think what the Rockies you know, are trying to do is kind of like, hey, let's kind of look at the numbers, try to get some good players, because I think they did that last offseason in, in acquiring Nolan Jones, right? They looked at some of the numbers for Nolan Jones, and some people said, oh, this guy is basically Sam Hillier 2.0. He's going to strike out a lot, probably doesn't have a good arm. People said that he didn't have a good necessarily a good arm. You know, he had okay defense, but really the special thing for Nolan Jones was his bat, and 
we've seen this year that Nolan Jones actually just broke the record for outfield assists, you know, in, in, in team history. I mean, it's crazy. He beat Dante Pichette, right? And so, um, yeah, so, like, you know, I, and I agree with you. Like, I think sometimes when you – like, for instance, um, you know, the Padres, right? I mean, you you know, they have a pretty good analytics department, and yet look what, look what happened this year, right? And they got all these free agents, you know, to come to San Diego, and yet – they're probably one of the biggest disappointments in, in, in baseball this year. Right. And, and now, however, they're still alive, but I don't think they're going to make it. Um, because, no, uh, yeah. No, basically they have to win out the rest of the year. to, to get <laughs> and, and not only that, but like, yeah, the, the, like basically, I don't know how they're still alive. I mean, the giants are already out. Um, but yeah, like the Padres, uh, you know, even Dick Monfort, uh, I think at the beginning of the season says something that he doesn't completely agree with the, what the Padres are doing in terms of, the way they're building their team because yeah. I like to, I like to say that the Padres basically sold their souls to you know to get rid of because because their farm system is not very good like it, it's just it's you know they have a couple of, you know good guys coming up but they basically sold all these players for aging veterans and, and yes you know Blake Snell is you know pro, he, he might win this I this year I think he deserves it but the Padres they're just they're this close away from falling apart, not to mention they might be getting rid of uh, A.J. Preller or Bob Melvin or maybe even both. Um, I would I would fire A.J. Preller. I would keep Bob yeah. Melvin. Yeah, yeah. And and see, they're, they're, it's just like sometimes when you overlook and you kind of delve too much in analytics, and I agree with you, you know, like that can become a huge problem because, you know, sometimes it just yeah. doesn't create that much success, even though it might yeah. look good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm positive that the you know I'm excited and I'm you know super positive about the Rockies trying to improve well, themselves in the department for the analytics because I feel like when Jeff Rice was here, we basically had no front office. It felt like because it was just like Jeff Rice was basically the only guy running the show, and even him, he didn't make the greatest trades, he didn't make the greatest acquisitions, minus one or two with you know Herman Marquez and and so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. I feel like the Rockies they're taking a step forward in 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 many areas and and not only in the on the team, but in the front office as well. Well yeah, I mean for sure. And the thing is it just goes to show you well first of all, AJ probably should not keep his job after convincing the Padres ownership group to spend as much money as they did and they have been just a colossal fit. And of course, the New York Mets have a similar situation. However, it's just unfortunate that Buck Showalter was not able to lead the Mets to a World Series because I really wish, I really think he should get, he has earned the right to play for one last one in his illustrious managerial career. But I digress. You know, I think with the Padres, just a quick two cents on my thing, I think it was the wrong mix of players in that clubhouse. I don't think though the person, the certain personalities that they have, I think were the right mixture to put together a winning format because you know people can people can push back on me in this or not but chemistry is important you know the the truth is when you hit the field you have to be able to put your differences aside you know you don't have to everybody all 26 men don't have to be best friends but when it comes time to play baseball you got to get along and you have to be and you have to support each other and then when you cut when you go back into the clubhouse you can do whatever you can go back to being your worst enemy or your best friend or whatever but the point is, yeah, the Padres, it's just AJ probably should not keep his job after after the debacle that he has convinced ownership to put the position in. Because you point out they gave away a lot of their top trade, a lot of their top prospects to acquire Juan Soto and other players. And they gave up so much money, not just to guys like Bogarts, Machado, Tatis, but also smaller un, under the radar ones to Snell and Musgrove and Darvish and just has not, I mean, also hater and that just has not worked out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and, so, so yeah. I would rather have the Rocky situation than their situation. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like, I, I just feel like the Rockies have more of a chance of a bigger window. And I think that's important too, because if it basically felt like the Padres were putting all their eggs in one, one basket and basically saying, mm-hmm. you know what, this year, this is the year that we're going to go for it. If not, and that's the thing that they didn't really look toward the future. They were like, okay, what if we don't do well this year? Right. And I th- feel like some teams do that. Right. It's just like they overexpect a little bit too much. It's like, okay, you have to have a backup plan. What if things right. don't go well this year? You have to plan for next year. You have to make trades. And, you know, and then there was, a, I think uh, I saw him talking baseball today that the Padres, they want to extend Juan Soto for like a multi-year contract. I'm like, good luck. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> exactly. And so I'm like, okay, if I'm a Padres fan, I'll be like, okay, yeah. But looking out, and listen, I, I don't like the Padres as a Rockies fan. You know, I, you know, it's not like we have more rivals with them, but I don't know. I just don't like the Padres, but still, if I was a Padres fan, part of me would be like, Oh, great. You know? Yes. But like, what would that, what would that change? Right. I mean, you know, Soto had a good year this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he may have had a tough year when he came over last year, but he's rebounded yeah. this year and who he's represented by Scott Boris is not going to give away, give a, oh. give a cheap contract. Yeah. And so it's just, I don't know. The Padres, uh, sometimes they don't make sense. I, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, they just, they just don't. Um, and listen, I, I will say that like when the Padres started to turn the corner to kind of being relevant again, um, you know, they signed Manny Machado, which actually kind of reminded me of Chris Bryant coming to the Rockies. A lot of people were like, okay, why are the Padres doing this? And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, okay, they got Tatis now. Then they got Trent Grisham and Jake Cornerworth from uh, Tampa. And they were like, okay, now we kind of see what's going on here. And then, you know, in 2020 uh, happened and they went uh, to the division series and people were like, okay, but next year, 2021, it's going to be a big year. They fell flat on their face. They did not have a good roster, um, even though, you know, they had some big names. And then 2022, they go out and try to do it again. And, you know, they uh, honestly, in some ways, I find it somewhat luck that they made the way to the playoffs. And, and what's so funny is that Tatis wasn't even playing and they won without Tatis. And now, you know, Tatis is on the roster and they didn't make the, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's just like, and then not only that, and of course, I think you already mentioned it, but the Padres clubhouse, I feel like we've seen reports all year that the clubhouse is not in, is, is in very bad shape. Like you're, no. I, I've heard people saying they're pointing fingers at the front office at different players saying that they're not like, performing the way they should and i'll never forget i think it was in 2021 when you know i think the the potteries were playing uh, st louis and Manny machado and there's a video of it i'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this yeah he's screaming it's not about you it's not about you and that's what tatis is i hate to say it, but tatis you know honestly i feel like tatis should have been punched a little bit more you know and, and it's, it's very funny how you know, in the interview, how they asked him about his motorized, uh, motorcycle accident, and he's like, which one? I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, it's boy. like, come on, man. It's like the guy, I mean, okay, I will say he's a good player, but it's just like, I, I'm not going to say he's overrated. He's a very good player. I will say that, but it's just mm-hmm. very, very, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's. You you can see a lot of signs of immaturity. Yeah, and and we see it, we saw it with, uh, I, I'll never forget, and I, I know a lot of people. Fans know this name, Carlos Gomez, longtime Milwaukee yep. Brewer, very much the same player. And at the end of the day, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. And here he had all this hype when he was drafted of him being the superstar. And 
people, if you go out and tell people who's Carlos Gomez now, people say who they, they, they don't know the guy. And I, I feel like Tatis will be a little bit more famous, obviously, you know, with the whole situation there, but um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, it, you know, this could be a Potteries podcast, but I, there, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with the, what the Potteries are doing. And, you know, there's might be other organizations out there that I don't agree with what, with what they're doing, but all I have to say is I feel like the Rockies, they're heading in the right direction, not only in the front office, but they have a plan. And people say, well, you know, show me the plan. Well, you have to look at it deeper. You just can't look out, out on the outside of the, the, the crust. You have to look inside the sandwich, if you want to call it that. And you have to look at, okay, what's the ingredients? Uh, you know, what's the prospects? And, you know, it's funny to see some people even still today say, that. well, the Rockies, they don't have a good front office. Um Check again, you know, look at some, like, look at the top, you know, 100, like we were talking about, look at the top 100. We have a, a pitcher that I think is going to be a very solid pitcher, you know, and Chase Dolander. Then you have Adele Amador who could be actually be a legit all-star infielder. Um, and I know he, he grew his hair a little bit. It looks like dreadlocks. I love the dreadlocks. He looks very, very good at it. In it. Um, you know, uh, uh, Jordan Beck, I think he's going to be a stud. A lot of these players are coming up through the system that a lot of people need to know about. And so, and, and again, we'll talk a lot about this in the off season and going into next year, uh, because these guys I think are, are somewhat getting closer to, you know, getting the call up. I think, you know, I, I think some of these guys will see some playing time next year, at least until the end of next year. But all I have to say is that the Rockies, they're, they're in a better place than they were, let's just say two or three years ago um, to put it nicely. Now I can put, I can agree. And even of course, as you, people would say, well, in 2021, 2022, the Rockies had a better record. Well, it's not, I would push back to that. Not by much. And when you look at this season, not just, and you put the record aside for a second, you, as you and I have pointed out, if you look closely and you see, not just with what you can see on the stat sheet, but also what you see with your eyes, you can see things in terms of you can see signs of progression where you can see better quality at bats. You can see a difference in uh, overall performance, both on a stat sheet and on the field between the beginning of the season and the end of the season, even though the Rockies are in quite, have had quite a few bad losing streaks, you can see progression. And not to mention also from what we, and you, you and I have talked about this, there is veteran leadership and there is leadership from the coaching staff that you want to see in terms of teaching these young players that are on this roster how to play the game the right way and how to be a professional, how to act as a professional. You know, we bring back, I'll use Tatis again as an example. The guy clearly has been immature, is he clearly is maturity issues. And it doesn't, and Bob Melvin, I would like to think, is trying to address it, but I don't think he has the right support to get hit to convey the message to a young, talented player who is making a lot of money like Tatis. Whereas if you look at the Rockies, Bud Black commands tremendous respect, but he's not the kind of guy who says, I'm Bud Black, you got to do as I say. Mm -hmm. He's the kind of, he has, he's got a certain, uh, how to put this, he's got a, if you, I, who was, I think it was Jenny Canvar who said he has a certain charm about him, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and I think Bud just, he just went with how he goes about his business and how he acts as a leader and how he manages a game, whether it's a contending team or a non-contending team, he commands respect of his players and they play hard for him. You can see they're not giving up. Whereas I'll, I'll use the White Sox comparison. They gave up weeks ago, whereas the Rockies, you can see they're still playing hard as if they're trying to play, not maybe not as hard as if they're trying to play for a playoff spot, but they're still playing for 
a spot on the roster because some of them, whether it's with the Rockies or not, some of them are playing for a job next year. Whereas even the ones that are guaranteed a spot next year, like a McMahon or a Tovar, they're or even an Olin Jones, they're still they're still trying to pad their stat sheet and trying to win baseball games. And you're also playing, you know, postseason teams. And I think it's huge because it's easy to, you know, right. lay on the ground and say, okay, we give up, whatever. But no, like like <laughs> you said, they're they're playing for their jobs next year, but also they want experience because, and I think Nolan Jones mentioned this the other day. Um, and actually, he was on foul tor- territory yesterday, and I, I was able to watch his interview. Uh, very interesting. He talked about how, you know, there's a lot of opposing fans at Coors Field, and it's natural because we have a lot of, you know, newcomers coming into Colorado. And, um, and he said, you know, something about along the lines of how that's helping him prepare for, you know, big moments, you know, next year and in the future for playoff games, right? And, and that's huge, right? Because it's, as a new player, it's like, oh, you know, I've never been here before. I've never been in this position before. I've never, you know, when the crowd is yelling at you and all the, all the lights are on you to perform well, that's going to do something to you. And that's going to help you grow personally and, you know, have you learn some new things. And I think for some, a lot of these younger players to play these postseason teams like the Dodgers, the Cubs, you know, um, I almost mentioned the Padres, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, you know, it's, it's a great experience for them because, it's, you know, I feel like and I'm happy to be honest with you that we're playing these tough teams because they have a chance to compete against postseason teams and they have a chance to, you know what, we're going to fight no matter what we're going to fight. We're going to play hard and we're going to show Bud Black, we're going to show the front office and we're going to show baseball that, hey, we belong here. We're, we're, we belong in these starting spots in, in the outfield, infield, catching position, you name it. So, um, yeah, so there's just a lot to be excited about. And I, and again, you know, we could talk hours for about this, but <laughs> I, I think, you know, there's so much to be excited about. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think what we've seen over the last, you know, you know, several months, you know, even though it hasn't looked pretty and it might be doom and gloom time in Colorado, I think they're just, you know, and, and just came out today, you know, Patrick Lyon tweeted out saying that the Rockies have now secured a top three spot in the lottery yeah. draft. And so and yeah, it's, it's not, guarantee that we're going to get the number three as a matter of fact the rockies are equal to have a chance uh to get the number one pick with the athletics and the royals so who knows this year could be the year the rockies get uh the number one pick now however knowing the rockies we, we don't have good luck but you know you, you never know i mean maybe uh you know tides will uh turn on us so um but yeah you know just because I, you just just because you draft the number one pick doesn't mean you're going to get the best player exactly i mean look at, like i mean we got riley pint in 2016 like one of the best if not the best pitching arm in the draft it didn't turn out so well now there are some things you know again we'll talk about this in the off season or, or next year mm-hmm. when the draft happens but sometimes and i think we actually mentioned it like one of our first podcasts together about how sometimes high especially high school players you just kind of don't know it, it's it's a yeah. big risk of drafting high school players compared to college players because high school is like, you have to kind of bring him into that age of like, okay, now we have to work with him where college you have, you can work with him a little bit, but you kind of already know who's uh, what player you're getting. Right. And so I think with Riley Pine and other players, you know, you kind of don't know. And so with the first pick again, you know, we've seen first picks in, in, in years past where they had not panned out. Um, I forget what year it was. I mean, there was a video. I forget. It's, it's one of the, baseball creator videos i'm not sure if it was jolly oliver or, or somebody else but basically they made a video about one of the draft classes maybe about like 10 10 or 11 years ago how it was so good and yet in the top 10 picks only like two or three of them have made the big leagues and that are actually thriving and all the other ones they never did well so 
you know, even though the Rockies are going to get a top three pick, doesn't mean that they're going to get a franchise altering player. However, from what I've heard, you know, again, we'll see, but from what I've heard next year's draft class will be very, very good, very much like this year. Um, so we'll see, but um, mm -hmm. we're going to talk about some talent. Tom and I are going to give our picks now for some Rockies awards. Again, we're going to be, um, we might be doing this on our page on Instagram, Facebook, and and uh, and, and uh, Threads. So check that out. But uh, to start off for our first Rockies award for this year, uh, we have a few of them here. We're going to start off with uh, let's start off with Cy Young um, mm -hmm. and move our way up to the top. Uh, starting off with Cy Young, I'm going to go with uh, Kyle Freeland. I know, you know, there might be some people mm -hmm. might be like, well, you know, look at the ERA, not very good. But you know, I think with Kyle Freeland and the way that he led the pitching staff with all the injuries and with what he did. And he has some very solid starts during the year. I think Kyle Freeland definitely deserves this award just because of, you know, maybe not his performance wise, but with the way he led the rotation, because I think he used to be, you know, near the bottom of the rotation when he was coming up in, you know, 2017, 2018. Now he's kind of like in that leadership role, especially with, you know, Marquez and Senzatella out. I think now he's like that guy of like, you know what, I need to, lead the pitching staff in some way somehow and honestly it's kind of you know great to see you know what the Rockies rotation have done because you know the Rockies rotation to be honest with you has been better than what I imagined when the injuries started coming I'm like oh no this is going to be a very bad year like but you know yes it's not been great but still with what Kyle Freeland has done for this Rockies team same thing with Austin Gomber I could give it to Austin Gomber you know Gomber has several good starts especially after the start of the year I remember his start against Pittsburgh at Coors Field which is horrible. And, you know, I felt bad for Austin Gomber because I know he broke down and felt terrible, you know, about his performance and he felt pressured about, you know, the Arenado trade and, and all that. So I'm going to give it to Kyle Freeland because I, I just feel like with the leadership that he's shown and with, you know, the, the gut that it takes to go on that mound at course field, the hardest place to pitch in baseball and to, you know, thrive. And, you know, he's actually done somewhat pretty well this year, uh, even though the numbers might not say so. So I'll go with Kyle Freeland. Yeah, uh, I'm, I was going to go with the same thing. He led the team in starts. He led the team in e all the starters, I should say, in ERA. And here's something interesting I, I found out about him. If you look at his uh, game logs, uh, of the 29 starts that he had this year, which he could have had a full season had he not had this uh, injury that he recently sustained, uh, he had nine of all the 29 starts, 19 of them were five innings or more, and 10 of those were six innings or more. So he 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 had a lot of solid outings where he was able to give, you know, help by Black save some of the bullpen have some, with some lengthy starts. So that was very encouraging. And um, you know, uh, he was of course he was one of the team leaders in WAR. I believe he with a three with a three WAR. Or sorry, one point eight WAR overall. I believe that ranked him fourth this year. I believe I think that was fourth in the team. I can't remember. I have to look at it back again for sure. Mm -hmm. But the the truth is he was, you know, say what you want about it. It's people say, well, the ERA is inflated at is too high at five for him to be an ace. Well, when you look at a team as far as where the Rockies are as a team, they're a rebuilding team. They're trying to establish their identity and put together who they want, who they believe will be part of the core for the next Rockies contender. He was the one he did lead the pitching staff this year. You know, he stepped up put with what he put on a stat sheet and what he did every, every fifth day when he pitched out there, he was able to lead the pitching staff as far as this, as far as this team. 
And he was able to, tr- and he tried to help pick up the slack that was left by losing Sensatella and Marquez, which are two big losses, especially Marquez. Mm-hmm. Uh, we obviously talked about that nauseam when he signed that extension. So I would give Kyle Freeland, of course, they, I mean, having a 155 and two thirds innings this season that led the team. Uh, I think if he had, if the Rockies were contending or a more quality team, I believe he would get closer to 200. He's done that once in his career in 2018. Uh, so, I mean, and of course, you know, it's, on a, and, and here's another thing I'll say, ERA plus of 100. So he's at league average for, so for being on a team that is looked at as terrible by a lot of people, but also the realist and the true baseball fans understand they're a rebuilding team. That's not a bad thing to have with your ACE on the mound. Uh, so I, yeah, I, for sure. Absolutely. I would give it to Kyle Freeland. And, uh, this was in his career his fit his wait one two three four fourth season with 25 or more starts yeah and i mean you know you're almost guaranteed that you're gonna have a you know again knock on wood you're gonna have a healthy season from kyle freeland because he hasn't really had any huge injury and hopefully he doesn't have any next year or oh boy hopefully not yeah (laughs) i just and then by that i just drinked him next year so hopefully not sorry rockets fans but yeah i mean just the yeah like i said and you know we like we've talked about like the leadership that he's shown you know, he just has, you know, he loves pitching as a Rocky and it's just not like, oh, he's requesting a trade. No, uh, he wants to be here. And I think, you know, and that's the thing too, like the, some people say, well, the Rockies have no pitching. Well, that's not true. I mean, the Rockies, I feel like a lot of people have forgotten Herman Marquez, who was an all-star two years ago, uh, Sindicella, huge ground ball pitcher, which the Rockies need. Um, so the Rockies, they have pitchers. It's just that this year, they were injured and they got more coming. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you with that. If he if he didn't want to be here, he wouldn't have signed the extension. Exactly, and he just signed one last year. Or yeah, yeah, last year. And uh, and then Marquez, same thing. Like if he didn't want if he didn't want to be here, he would have declined the contract. And not to mention this year, I believe it was his option year where he could become a free agent. And and not only that, and of course I know this is not pitching related, but same thing with Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman has stated that he wants to stay here. And again, we'll, we'll see what the Rockies do and Bill Schmidt do in terms of giving him a contract, which I, I think they will. I, 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 there's no question that they're not going to say, you know, goodbye, Charlie. Good luck. There's no way in the world they are going to give up on Charlie Blackman. I think no. they're definitely because, the like you said, the Rockies, they need leadership in that clubhouse, that dugout. And, and then, for instance, tonight, Charlie Blackman had a great night. He had, a I believe, a triple tonight and, and you know, a couple more hits. And, and so – you you still have Charlie Blackman who you know is still going to provide you great at bats, get on base, steal some bases. Um, so yeah, it, you know, so yeah, like I, I agree with you on that. And one last thing I'll make about Kyle Freeland, he's not a bit, he's not what you call a power arm. He's more, he does have a, he does strike out a decent number of hitters for um, a guy who pitches as many innings as he does. But with the fact that the Rockies defense continues to get better, I think that bodes better for him, considering he pitches. More took more to induce weak contact, part strikeout and part induce weak contact. So that bodes well for him to the fact that the Rockies defense is improving with this core that with the guys that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Next award that's on my list here. Uh, let me pull it up here. Um, next award that we have is the Gold Glove Award, and I, I think this is a lock, and I think you and me kind of both agree <laughs> with this. Uh, yeah. It's going to be. Mr. Britton Doyle. I mean, 
if this guy does not win a gold glove in the National League, we will riot. We will go to MLB <laughs> headquarters in New York, and we will have signs saying "Gold Glove" for Brent Doyle. But yeah, I, I, it's it's pretty simple. Golden uh, Golden Boy, uh, I call him Golden Boy Doyle. He's been so good this year. Uh, you know, yeah, he's had an error here too. But like the guy, same thing with Nolan Jones. I mean, Nolan Jones for you know he might actually be a finalist for left fielders this year. I won't be surprised. I think he will. Um, go, you know, it, it just, I can't believe I I've never seen, and I don't think we've ever seen a guy this good in center field for the Rockies in terms of defense. Um, that's how good Brent Doyle is. And I think next year he'll be our starting center fielder for sure. hundred percent. I think it's a, it's a lock. And I know the offense doesn't look great. However, he's been playing much better offensively, um, to end the season. And I think he had a couple hits tonight. And so, he, he's going to be a, about a 200 average hitter, but he's, he's going to get on base. He's going to steal bases. And basically he leads, I think the Rockies by a large margin in terms of stolen bases this year. And, but yeah, like defense, pretty simple, you know, he, he's going to win that gold glove this year, I think in the national league. So uh, yeah, gold glove um, for Brent Doyle. Well, there's a lot of guys who definitely we can look at as candidates where all this, I'll just the candidates. I mean, Doyle, uh, Jones would be a candidate and you could look at McMahon and Tovar as well as candidates. And somebody, somebody made the comment. I can't remember who it was. I saw somebody on Twitter saying, what about giving Leas Diaz some consideration? You could give him some consideration, but he's not going to be one of the finalists. Um, not to say he's terrible, but he's just not in compared to his peers. Not so much. Um, I think I've commented this on a previous episode. I do believe the two best defensive center fielders in baseball are they play for my two favorite teams is Brett Doyle for the Rockies and Luis Robert Jr. for the Chicago White Sox. When you, I, I think the, here's one thing that I'll point out that you can't quantify when it comes to defense on a spreadsheet is how well the def, a particular outfielder plays in various ballparks. And Coors Field, as we know, for obvious reasons, is not an easy outfield to play in whether you're playing right field left field or center field particularly center field considering the deep alleys right there and the walls you know you can't rob you have to be careful when you go back to those walls because you can't rob homers at every single part of every single wall part of the outfield um the thing that intrigues that really stands out to me about doyle is not so much his he's got a solid arm or a, I guess a deceptively strong arm because, you know, people are still trying to take base ex, that extra base on him. And most recently guys like uh, Cody Bellinger uh, learned, th- learned the lesson the hard way. I, be- I believe it was, was it Bellinger? Was it, no, it was Bellinger, right. That he threw out at second in the Cubs series. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So even the former MVP didn't learn his lesson. Um, <laughs> but um, I was going to say Ryan McMahon for this answer, but I'm going to give it to, um Bretton Doyle because again the thing that stands out about him is his speed. I also think he gets great jumps to the ball. He has great reaction time and he has and he takes solid angles to the ball, which is a very is a trait for center fielders that you have to have because when you play center field, you have to be able to take good angles, whether it's to the left or to the right. Because if you take a bad angle or if you take too shallow of an angle or too deep of an angle, the ball can just get can just go right past you, especially if you take too shallow of an angle where you try to cut it off and you don't realize, oh, crap, you know, the ball is flying faster than that on the ground faster than I anticipated. So I think he does take good angles to the to the ball, especially when they're going to go straight to the wall. And then, of course, he's such a supreme athlete that he's made a lot of good, solid diving catches and uh 
Yeah, get, I agree with you on this. This is another one that we I think we're going to agree on. I would give it to Brenton Doyle. Nolan Jones, I don't think will win, but he will get consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to get. I'm for sure going to give it to Brenton Doyle as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, we might see a lot of finalists on this list. Like Elias Diaz, right. I think could be up there for sure potentially because there hasn't been a whole lot of catchers this year. It's been like, oh my goodness, he's going to win a Gold Glove this year. I think even Elias Diaz was considered a finalist last year. I don't think he was, but he was considered. Uh, like near the top of the list last year. Um, and just the way I, I think the National League is going to be a landslide. I think it's going to be Gabriel Moreno. From oh, the yeah, for sure. I think other than him, you know, maybe a couple other people like I don't know if Will Smith will be on there because I know he's won a gold glove, I think, or or something like that. But yeah, we'll see with Elias Diaz. But um, shortstops Tovar, I think, will be a finalist for sure. But I, he'll probably come in second. And uh, Dansby Swanson, knowing. Yeah. The seasons he's had, he's a gold glove shortstop. He already won a gold glove, I believe, with Atlanta. So he's going to win a gold glove. But Tovar, I mean, I think he's going to win a gold glove eventually, for sure, uh-huh. maybe even next year. But this year, I mean, considering this is his rookie season, I'm totally fine with that. I like If Swanson wins, I'm not upset about that. Because just the season, like because we saw Swanson just this past week in, in Chicago, uh-huh. made a couple great plays, um, you know, a couple diving plays as well. So, I'm fine with that. Ryan McMahon, I think he'll be a finalist. However, I don't think he's going to win it. I think it's going to go to Key Brian Hayes just because Hayes has been kind of like the underdog. I guess Aaron Otto, surprisingly, will not win this year. <laughs> However, I do expect Aaron Otto might be a finalist, but who knows? Maybe not. I don't know. Because if you look at Aaron Otto's stats, surprisingly, his DRS numbers are not good. They're they're pretty bad, um, which is kind of shocking considering, you know, you know, you know we, all, we all know Nolan Aaron Otto's defense and, and the player he is, but uh, Ryan McMahon will for sure be a finalist, I believe, but Key Brian Hayes, I think, deserves that award um, mm. just because, you know, the, f- the last two or three years he's been waiting to get that. And so, you know, I, I know Ryan Mac too, has been waiting for that, but I think just this year, Key Brian Hayes and that Pirates team, they're, they're, they're getting better. And I think with Key Brian Hayes, he's arguably one of the best sec- third basemen defensively in baseball. So, um, so yeah, you have Ryan Mac, Tovar, uh, and then, of course, Nolan Jones, I think he'll be uh, number two or number three finalist for left fielders. Um, I don't think he's going to win it, though. But and then, we, of course, we agreed on uh, Brendan winning it in center field. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that's, our, that's our Gold Glove Award. Uh, next one, we have Rookie of the Year. Um, Tom, I'll, I'll hand it off to you. Who, who's your Rookie of the Year? Oh, boy, this was uh, – uh, this, this was um... – you know, yeah, it was tough. Well, yeah, it, it was. It's tough because you want to go. Ah, man, how do I how do I phrase this? To most to the to the to most fans, I think there's an obvious answer, but I'm not going to go with the obvious answer because of certain uh, reasons. I'm going to go with Ezekiel Tovar. Um, a couple reasons. One, again, it's been we've talked about it. He had such a rough, a, a very rough start in to the season in April and May. I mean, I remember watching a few games in April. He just looked lost and frustrated and a little frustrated, but he did keep a solid, good, a good poker face at times to, you know, make, make it seem like he wasn't frustrated or just completely, you know, or give off, didn't give off the feeling as, oh, I don't think I belong here. You know, am I really meant to do this? But he hung in there strong and definitely rebounded as far as things go because, and you and it's it's he's gonna be a, he is going to be nominated for a gold glove. I think he's gonna be a finalist for sure. And I'm, real quick, I'm just gonna look up uh, the, a couple one split here. I wanted to add to my 
reasoning here. Yeah, in the month of March and April, his slash line was 214, 263, and 303. Whereas it improved drastically in May, whereas 266, 310, 457. And then his worst, he had a, a bit of a slump there in um, July where, he, where his OPS was 583. But in August and then September, October, he has 748 and 653. So he's kind of, he so through the dog months of August, September, and October, he has hung in there strong. So, and, and again, it, not just with this rough start to the season, but he it plays a position where the Rockies have a rich history from his predecessor of, uh, well, of course, you know, Jose Iglesias, the one-year stopgap will exclude him, but Trevor Story, Troy Tulowitzki, and, you know, two guys who could have, who had great careers with the Rockies and could have been headed to the Hall of Fame had they not had some injury troubles. Or, of course, you know, Trevor Story will have a very good career, but he's not a Hall of Fame player. Um, so, but again, I would pick Tovar. I think, you know, coming in as the, well, he was the number one overall prospect at one point, wasn't he? Didn't he? Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Cause you know, people were talking about Brendan Rogers so many years ago as being the next great Rocky shortstop. And then when Ezekiel Tovar quietly rose up in the rankings and then he came and then we weren't sure what to expect out of him considering he got the call up uh, to start the season, but he has definitely grabbed the bull by the horns to use the phrase. And he, I think has, shown the organization that I can be part of the next Rockies contender and play a position as kind of, as you can say, as high profile as shortstop, both solidly as a solid production offensively and defensively. So I'm definitely going to go with Tovar, I believe. For me, I, this might be the same player. I might have the same player for both MVP and uh, rookie of the year. Uh, and that's going to be Nolan Jones. I Maybe, yeah. I don't know if that's illegal or not. Somebody took me on that, but I don't go, think so. I don't think yeah, so. I'm going to go with Nolan Jones just because what, like I, I personally, I believe that he's going to get more votes than Tovar. Now I'm not saying Tovar. I think Tovar definitely should be. I mean, it was a battle between Tovar and Jones because Tovar, he's younger. I mean, he's three years younger than Jones, three years. Just, so that's blocked, just, right. Yeah, just, just turned 22. Exactly. And so for me, it was a struggle because I, at first I actually had Tovar and I was like, you know what? Nolan Jones, most likely will probably – I think he's going to finish second behind Corbin Carroll because if you look at the numbers, and actually Rockies uh, pointed this out on Twitter uh, yesterday, that Nolan Jones basically leads the National League in terms of rookies, including Corbin Carroll, and I think OPS uh, maybe hits and, like, defensive rate, like a bunch of categories. And so – but, however, we all know that in the National League it's going to go to Corbin Carroll just because of mm-hmm. his war. Uh, Corbin Carroll has a very good war. Um, very high R. He's going to be a very good player. But I think at the end of the day, I think Nolan Jones is going to, definitely going to get more votes than Ezekiel Tovar will in terms of Rookie of the Year voting. Um, with what Nolan Jones has done this year, um, basically getting ahead in every game, his OPS is very, very good. Um, now, there's some concerns about the strikeout numbers, how it might climb up next year. But there's a hope that if he can limit those strikeout numbers and get on base, kind of just limit the strikeouts. If he can do that, he's going to be – a star player for this team. And I think with Nolan Jones, I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give the rookie of the year to Nolan Jones just because of what he's been able to do. Not to mention he didn't even come up until late May and he's only in 80 some games this year. And yet he is close to, I mean, I think he's like four or five home runs away from tying Ryan, Ryan McMahon and home runs, but he already, yeah, four home runs. You're right. He has 18 or 19 home runs this year, not to mention, he is almost, he's climbing up to near the top of the RBI. So 
I'm going to give it to Nolan Jones just because I, I think with what he has and what he's done with this team this year, he's arguably been the best player for the, for the Rockies team this year. And so um, and I guess I'll jump right into the MVP award. I'm going to give it to Nolan Jones just because, you know, and I could give it to Rymac because Rymac has been somewhat of a leader with this team. However, we've started to see, and I think we kind of have both have seen over the last maybe two or three weeks that the Rockies are starting to rest him more. And I think the strikeout numbers are very, very, very high. And so maybe they're just trying to have him rest out a little bit to end the year. And I think, to be honest, like I mentioned in, in last podcast, I think they need to change something with the swing because something is clearly not working there. Now, he has, like McMahon, personally, I believe McMahon has the power to hit 30-plus home runs a year. It's just that he hasn't been able to find it. And we're trying. And I think the Rockies are trying to find a way to get the Rymac, the 30 home run Rymac out of that guy where I just feel like he's falling short. He's so close. He's so close. And I think, you know, you've talked about it. He's so close to becoming a, a, a very, very potentially as a, a type of superstar player for the Rockies. It's just that we haven't really seen that yet. And the strikeout numbers are just increasingly going up, you know, game by game. Like he's striking out three or four times a game. And I just feel like with Rymac doing that, I just feel like Nolan Jones kind of deserves this award a little bit more than Ryan McMahon, just because of what, you know, the games played, you know, Ryan McMahon has played a lot of games, mainly most of the, almost, I think he leads the Rockies in games this year in, in games played, but I'm going to give it to Nolan Jones just because of what he's been able to do in his 80s or so games, 80 plus games that he's been able to do, play for the Rockies this year. Um, and what he did in AAA uh, at the start of the season. So I'm going to give it to Nolan Jones. Well, uh, I'm going to give it to Rymac. And to answer your question about the games played, he is tied with Ezekiel Tovar for most games played okay. on the Rockies this year at 150. Uh, or actually, I think that, that we should include 151 because I think didn't both play tonight, I think. Didn't I think you're, actually, no, uh, Trejo played third base. So actually now Tovar. Oh, okay, so it's to, so never mind. It's Tovar. Yeah, it's Tovar now. Um, when I look at Rymac, um, I see a guy who is, I think – how do I say this? I think this year he is trying, maybe just like how Austin Gomber said he wanted to, there was pressure on him to be, to perform up to expectations for being part of the Nolan Arenado trade. Maybe there is something weighing on Ryan McMahon as far as he's got to replace now a, a guy who's about bound for Cooperstown. Um, Cause Nolan, I mean, come on, look at the number of defense, great things defensively and offensive Nolan did when he was in a Rockies uniform. And I think Rymac might be trying to put too much pressure on himself to live up to following in the footsteps of, and, and, you know, and um, meet those expectations of succeeding a future hall of famer. And I think also to go along with what you and I talked about previously about his uh, altering his swing a little bit. I think also with the fact that, I think that he tried to do too much this year. I think considering he was now in batting third, fourth, or in the top two thirds of the lineup, one through six, I think he was trying to put a little too much pressure on himself to perform. He's maybe because you know, he batted third a lot this year and he you know, probably felt that pressure. Oh, I got to perform. I got to show the organization, you know, hey, I can be a guy here. And I think the truth is Bill Schmidt knows he already can be a, a key, a critical, a key piece of the next Rockies contender. Because when you look at his stats for the past several years, in the past three, uh, going back, uh, excluding the uh, pandemic 2020 season, in 2021, 2022, and 2023, he's played over 150 games. He's shown durability. He's been consistent across a few offensive categories, including he's had over 20 home runs each of the last three seasons. 
the lowest number of RBIs he had was 67, which was last season. But again, he had 86 in 2021, but this year, last two years, he's six, he has 67 and 70, but that's because, you know, a young and experienced team mostly is not going to get a lot of base runners leading to a lot of RBI opportunities. And when it comes to the strikeouts, you know, I do agree with you because I think I have to look this up and my apologies for not being prepared. I want to know what the strikeouts are when it comes to what his splits are when it comes to swinging and strikeouts looking. Cause I do remember a game, I think it was against the nationals that I watched. Uh, I believe when it was at Coors field and he had, and he went over four with three strikeouts, getting the hat trick. And I think they were all when they were, I think they were all looking. So I, again, I think it's just the pressure and I think, but I don't think he really understands that he doesn't have anything to prove. And I agree with you that 30 home run power is in there. It's, I think we're just one little adjustment or one little tweak or one little, you know, change in mindset or approach to getting there. Heck, I mean, maybe even 35, he's got, he's got, he's strong enough for sure. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, I think given durability and consistency this year for Rymac. Uh, uh, Nolan Jones has been a phenomenal, has been phenomenal. And that's to me, and you, I, you and I can both agree on a lot of fans, a lot of our listeners agree that's the easy choice. But I think Rymac has had an under the radar MVP, Rocky, Rocky's team MVP type of season. And I think he deserves some recognition for that, considering not just how he's played this year, but also how he has been consistent with his production across the last several seasons. And he was a top five prospect in their system and he has lived up to that billing. Now, granted, he's not going to be a future hall of famer like Nolan Arenado, but he is, I think he can hold down third base on the next Rockies contender for sure. I think that question has been answered. I think the only question needs to that next needs to be answered is when that team is formed where does he bat in the lineup? My guess is either fifth or sixth. Now, with some of the like strikeout numbers, obviously in there, but I think I'm not sure if it was this year. I don't think it was this year. I think it was last year or the year before. Ryan McMahon was arguably one of the best offensive third basemen in the league, in the National League, and 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 I think, of course, I think we can confidently say that the best third baseman offensively this year has been Austin Riley. I mean, oh yeah. It's just I mean, like that Braves lineup. I, I mean, um, it's you know, scary. Yeah, it, it's so scary. And of course, we'll talk about this in a second when we finish our last segment. But mm-hmm. you know, it, the that Braves lineup is so scary. But anyways, like Austin Riley, best offensive third baseman in baseball in the National League for sure. Like, and I think like again, like a couple years ago, I think Ryan McMahon was in like the number two or number three category for best offensive. I think I think I want to say it was like Nolan Arenado. Austin Riley and I think Ryan McMahon. I think those were the top three guys. I think it was in 2021 or last year. It was one of those one of those years. And so, yeah, like Ryan McMahon. I mean, when he's hot, man, he's gonna be. He could be arguably one of the best third basemen defensively, offensively. It's just that there's, there's, yeah, I agree with you. There's, there's some pressure there. There's some. Um, you kind of expect yourself a little bit too much to be this guy, right? And like, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the situation. Like, same thing with Austin Gomber. I mean, Gomber was like, like last year, he was doing doing things a little bit too much. This year, it felt like as sometimes we are seeing the 2021 Austin Gomber to where he was pitching very, very well, especially at Coors Field. And so, um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think Ryan McMahon. There's, I, you know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as a matter of fact, in MLB The Show, you know, my uh, I'm, I'm doing an MLB franchise right now with the Rockies. Um, Ryan McMahon, I think, has like 38 home runs for me right now. So it's possible. I mean, it, 
Ryan McMahon, I mean, heck, he could hit 40 home runs in a year. I mm-hmm. think he has the power to do it. I mean, you know, I'll never forget that home run, three home run game against Arizona, you know, two mm-hmm. years ago. So he has the power there. It's just that, you know, you know, I hope that he gets there. I hope he can get 30 plus home runs eventually. And I think sometimes you need a year like this to kind of, you know, wake up. I mean, he did strike out a bit last year, but actually last year, he didn't strike out a whole whole lot. He just he did strike out, but he didn't strike out a ton. Where this year, it's just like it's been very noticeable to where I think pitchers are kind of, especially pitching up. I, you know, I think one of the quadrants that I've been seeing, you know, Ryan McMahon strikes out a lot is up and outside, like outside corners, like right mm-hmm. around that area where he gets frozen, like he can't do anything about it. Um, that's because Ryan, that's because of, that's because of his bat path. He has more of an exactly. upper swing. Mm-hmm. And where he's more of an inside hitter, like inside up and so, well, maybe not inside up, but more of an inside middle, inside low, kind of like right in that area. And so it kind of reminds me a little bit of a Joey Gallo type of uh, of a swing there in some ways. But um, Joey Gallo has his own swing, but that's another time. But <laughs> and his yeah. own and his, and his own and their approaches are way different. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's different. And and Gallo is really you know home run or strikeout guy. Where Ryan yes, McMahon, correct. Ryan McMahon is he can got he's he can I mean I think he has like four or five triples this year or something like that. So he Ryan has, McMahon, uh, oh I'm sorry yeah he has three triples this year and twenty and in addition to twenty three homers he has thirty one doubles. It's yeah so he can get on base he can get extra base hits and see that's what Gallo doesn't do so um so yeah one hundred thirty three total hits yeah so and I think he leads the team also right and he hits is it, uh, I, I might believe be him it's either him or Tovar yeah it's so. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Ryan McMahon, I think, again, like this is like it was up between Ryan McMahon and Nolan Jones. And as a matter of fact, of course, we haven't um, put this on our poll yet because we're, right right now we're doing our uh, fan voting for our awards uh, for the post that we're doing. But I have a feeling a lot of people are are going to be between Ryan McMahon and Nolan Jones for MVP because I feel like those two guys were huge for the Rockies this year. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but I would not be surprised if Ryan McMahon, you know, is kind of given that MVP title just because of what he's been able to do this year, despite the strikeout numbers when like, I'll never, again, like that what was, I think it was, uh, it was in May when he had like five straight days with home runs. It was crazy. I mean, it, it was awesome. And, and I don't know why, but I think Ryan McMahon loves to play against the National League East because like it was against the, I think. Uh, the Mets, he hit like two home runs in that series. And then in Atlanta, he had like a two homer game. So I don't know, maybe Ryan McMahon loves playing against the, the National League East. But um, yeah, so, I, you know, it, it can be like, again, I've mentioned this many times before. It, it's sometimes can be frustrating to see Ryan McMahon, you know, go down three or four times a game um, because I think, you know, he kind of feels defeated. You can kind of see it when he strikes out. He's just like, he throws the bat, he throws the you know batting helmet down it's just that i think he he wants to be you know the best offensive third baseman or one of the best offensive third baseman in baseball it's just that i don't know maybe you know you know i remember playing soccer in high school sometimes i have people saying you know steven you're expecting a little bit too much of yourself you need to just play play yourself and just play the best of your ability and i think ryan mcmahon that's what he needs to do play himself play ryan mcmahon because you know we know how you know decent and how bright he was coming up to the rocky rocky minor system there was a lot of you know, excitement around him. And even though he didn't have the hottest start, we saw what he did in 2021 when he should have been an all-star that year. Um, and I'm kind of still shocked that he never got called because he was so good in the first half. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I think Ryan McMahon, he just needs to find that place to say, you know what, 
I need to find a happy medium. Yes, I'm, you know, kind of like Tra- Trevor Story when he came up. Trevor mm-hmm. Story struck out a lot. As a matter of fact, I think he was one of the leaders, if not led the National League in strikeouts. And yet he was in the Rookie of the Year conversation and unfortunately got hurt uh, in 2016. But he found a way to kind of even that out the year after in 2017 and 2018. And he even got in the MVP conversation. And so that's what Ryan McMahon needs to do. I'm not talking about maybe, you know, hitting, you know, 40 home runs. No, but kind of ha- find the happy medium. Like I, lo- like, I love that word. I like to use the word happy medium. That Ryan McMahon needs to find the happy medium to to be the ball, ball player that he can be um, to, for the Rockies. Right. Um, and I and I would say also to add to that, the one thing, obviously, we didn't, we don't need to touch much on it is, of course, in addition to the offense, he does offer tremendous value as a defender. So, and also, I I just remember this too. He and his wife are expecting, so maybe uh, the the new fa- him being a dad will bring some newfound power. You know, like, what do they call it? The dad power or something. Yep. Like that. Yep. And I think uh, so. Tovar, congrats to so congrats to him. So congrats. Yeah, to him. and Tovar, you know, I know Tovar. They had their child recently, and uh, you know, look at it, it's working so far. So, um, I think it's going to be a girl, if I'm correct. I think it's a girl. So, uh, baby Max. So hopefully, you know, next year going to next year, Ryan McMahon will uh, have some of that dad pop going into next year. And this year, I, I had him having a breakout year. Um, but unfortunately it wasn't necessarily a breakout because, you know, it, you know, he kind of struggled. It kind of had hit an average season for him, but I'm really hoping next year is the year because I, I feel like a lot of Rockies fans, including you and me and like a lot of Rockies fans, we want to see Ryan McMahon break out and be the third baseman he can be because it's just that it's, I, I think when he was under Aaron Otto, he learned a lot like mm-hmm. in, in 2021, you know, there's a lot of questions, you know, and, and I think Ryan McMahon, you know, was I mean, we already know that he was very very good that year and i think for him it was just like you know what um it was more about you know what what can i do how can i you know help the team win and we're now with you know Arenado gone I, I feel like he's adding a little bit more pressure to it to where he's like oh you know what i need to do this and um so yeah you know i i think ryan mcmahon will be fine but yeah uh i'm totally totally excited for what he's going to do uh, next year for the Rockies. I think the Rockies have a very good, not only offensive third baseman, but uh, very good defensive uh, third baseman as well. Um, finishing up with our last segment here for the night, uh, we're going to quickly discuss the MLB postseason race as it comes down to the final few days of the season. Again, like this is the time of year when I'm so excited. I like, I know the Rockies aren't in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. I'm super excited about watching the wild card series because it's going to be super exciting. Um, I'm like, I, I'm really excited to see Arizona. I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to clinch one of those spots. Uh, mm-hmm. The question is what spot will they take? Uh, I think Miami will get that last spot in there as well. I think Miami, they, they've just had a magical year where they just don't give up they're, They have a very bright young team. As a matter of fact, they're winning against the Mets right now, two to one in the ninth inning. So it looks like they're going to hopefully hang on. And I, I really hope the Marlins do because if they, if they make it, I'm going to cheer for them in the playoffs. Um, there's a couple of teams I'm going to kind of cheer for, but um, I, I think if I'm looking at postseason teams, obviously the Dodgers are already in the Mets. Uh, they're, they're out. <laughs> I was going to say Mets, but no, the Marlins, they're going to be in um, diamondbacks. Uh, they actually lost to your white Sox today, uh, three yep. to one, but it looks like the D backs might have a chance to make it. Um, and the Brewers, I, I overheard in the Rockies uh, clubhouse, um, how I think Ryan Spobork said that his sleeper team is the Brewers. And I actually agree with that. I think the Brewers, mm-hmm. because in 2018, they almost made it to the world series. They were one game away. I believe yep. from going to the world series, uh, you know, uh, uh, was it 2021? I thought they had a very good chance of going to the world series, except they had to face the Braves last year. Uh, 
you know, we all know what happened last year. And then this year, I, I like the like the Brewers, man. I mean, they have a very exciting young group of players, uh, prospect, very good farm system. But also they have a very good – Josh Donaldson has, you know, been hitting pretty well for them. Um, Mark Hanna, who came over from the Mets, he's been doing extremely well. He's one of – I think MLB actually wrote an article about him being one of the greatest trade deadline acquisitions in baseball history. I mean, he's doing so well. And so, you know, there's – I'm excited because I, I kind of want the Brewers to kind of do it because I feel like for a number of years they've been kind of like that team. It's like, oh, are they going to do it this year? Are they going to go to the World Series this year? Maybe this is the year, but – and then, of course, you have the juggernaut Atlanta Braves. Like I said earlier, top to bottom, this is probably one of the best teams ever. And and I, I mean that. Like, this is incredible. Like, Matt Olson just – you know, he's making records every single day. He just broke the record tonight for, I believe, the most – was it home runs? Um, it, it's uh, it's home runs by a Braves player in a single okay. season. And, and I think just tonight – I'm reading right now, he set the Braves RBI – RBI mark in franchise history, which is, I mean, looking at the history of the Braves with Chipper Jones and all those guys, it's just incredible what he's already, and this is just his second year. And there were questions when he was traded from Oakland to Atlanta, is he going to be able to, you know, put up the numbers that, you know, at least similar numbers that Freddie Freeman did. And he's doing more than that. So it's just the geniuses of the Atlanta front offices you know, or at least the front offices in Atlanta, they've done such an incredible job with that organization. And I would, and I think a lot of people are expecting this to happen. Of course, their pitching is somewhat of a concern um, because, you know, I think uh, there's been some people kind of concerned about the, the Braves rotation, but I think the Braves, they're the team to go to the world series in the national league this year. Well, I said this to my, one of my best friends, who's a diehard Cub fan last night. I said, I think this is, and also one of my colleagues today, the, I think this is the Braves world series to lose. I think mm-hmm. the only way they don't win is if they beat them, if they beat themselves. Yeah. And cause when I look at, cause you brought some exciting points, um, you know, Matt Olson, I mean, there were, uh, we can talk about all the things that went on with the Freddie Freeman negotiations where his agency, his agent did not tell him about the Braves offer and such. But the point is, um, and, you know, uh, Acuna has had a historic season. And I think this Braves team is better than the 2021 World Series team because that team played most of the season without Acuna. Yeah. Uh, um, they were one of the last teams in. They just got into the dance and rode the momentum all the way to the World Series. Uh, I think they have one of the best managers of all the playoff teams uh, in Brian Snitker. Um, it's just also, and uh, looking at the rankings, uh, you know, I'm really rooting for the Marlins to get that final wild card spot. And here's an interesting one you look at. The Diamondbacks, they got to play the Astros, who both of them are holding on for dear, the Astros especially, they're holding on for dear life there with that third wild card spot in the American League. Um, so to be honest, I'm, you know, I... You know, I I honestly am hoping that the Diamondbacks sweep the Astros and then the Seattle Mariners sneak in and take that final wild card spot there away from the Astros in the American League. Um, but I do agree with you, uh, and I do hope the Marlins do get in because again, they have made the playoffs since two thousand three. They, I love that they. I really was mad to see Jake Berger lead the White Sox, but he's been very good for the Marlins. Josh Bell has done a good job, and even without with Sandy Alcantara having the down year and being oft injured. You know the Marlins are still—they're still up there. They're still hanging around and everything, and uh, I really hope they get that final wild card spot there. And I hope, like, uh, of course, it keeps the Cubs out. So because the because they are uh, they got to play the Brewers, who I think I'm not sure what Craig Council's plan is in terms of resting his starters uh, or his everyday players. Um, 
so we'll see how that series goes. But um, if the Marlins want to get in, I think they got to sweep the Pirates. And I, th- I think with the Brewers, I mean, that's a, like Cubs and Brewers. I mean, that's a pretty big rivalry. I don't think the Brewers are going to like, okay, you know, you can go ahead and sweep it. No, the Brewers are going to fight. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you know, with the Cubs, I think their season's done. They've been really bad recently, ever since the Rockies series. You know, of course, they swept the Rockies, but they had to play the Braves, who basically just spanked them clean, pretty much. Um, but actually, I have somewhat of a bull taken again. You know, we'll do our. I guess we'll. I guess we'll do our postseason predictions uh, next week, next Wednesday, or next Thursday. We um, can, uh, if you want, we can do well, for our listeners and everything. Let's do a quick, uh, short one, like something. Yeah, let's week. do that. Like, yeah, let's do a quick one. So, actually, I have a bold prediction here. So, uh, the sure, Marlins, go ahead. Let me hear. Let I think hear the it. Marlins. Yeah, I think the Marlins. Uh, I think the Marlins are going to make it, and they're probably going to get that last card, uh, wild card spot, if not the mm-hmm. uh, other one. I had the Marlins actually going to the NLDS this year. I think they're going to be a sleeper team, kind of like they were in 2020. Uh, of course, even though I don't count that as a as a season or a postseason, um, I think the Marlins are going to surprise a lot of people. I, I have them going to the NLDS, and of course, I'm going to have them losing. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have the the Marlins win. Uh, D-backs. Now that's a question. Like I haven't really looked at you know the bracket or anything. I'm not sure which teams would match up. I, I mean, I could look at it right now. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the the I, like my bold prediction or one of my bold predictions I have are the Marlins. They're gonna um, okay. I'm kind of pulling up the bracket now. So basically, the uh, the Dodgers. Um, I think they're gonna get the second bye, um, and then mm-hmm. uh, the Braves are gonna have uh, you know the first one obviously. But um, I, I think I, I think the Marlins are gonna be a surprise team this year. And then uh, Braves. And, and you were talking about the Braves. Like honestly, I. I because we saw this last year, a lot of people had the 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 Braves uh, beating the Phillies in the NLDS. Mm-hmm. Look what happened! The Phillies just surprised them. They were like, "Why?" Not to mention, I think was it a week ago, the Braves went to Miami, and the Braves I think lost or got swept by Miami. So mm-hmm. maybe, and maybe there's a world where Miami faces the Braves in the NLDS. And uh, this would be crazy if the Marlins were to beat the Braves in the NLDS and move on. That's just I don't know. It's just, and of course, in some ways I am cheering for the Braves this year because, you know, I kind of like would like to see them win again, just with that lineup. But I, I do kind of agree with you because again, we've seen in the years past, the best record in baseball usually, usually don't win the world series, except, you know, 2018 with the Red Sox. Uh, that was a completely different team, but I, I think, I think we're going to see some surprises. I think we're going to see the, the Marlins surprise some people. I, I could even see the D back surprise some people. But I think um, I, I actually I, I have a, a somewhat of a prediction here. I think the Astros are going to miss the playoffs. I have the Mariners making it. Um, I think, and you know, of course, this you know this is not. I mean, I guess this is somewhat you know anger toward the Astros, but I hope they don't make it because of what happened. And I kind of am tired of seeing you know teams that are in there every single year out. Like, I'm happy that the Mets and the Yankees didn't make it. But anyways, all I have to say is that. Um, looking just through the bracket and just kind of like looking at some teams, I think my world series team is going to be the Brewers. I'm going to have the Brewers go to the world series. I think they're going to beat the Braves and the NLCS um, because, you know, you look at 2021. Um, I think the Brewers, you know, they were pretty good that year, but you know, they lost to the Braves and the NLDS. And so just for fun, I'm going to pick the Brewers as the national league favorite in the American league. Um, oh. Should just I, real quick. I, just I'm going to pick the oh. Orioles, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh really? Okay. That'll be that's a good pick though. Yeah, I'm gonna go and with just, uh, Yeah. I'm gonna go with just the Orioles a... because, yeah, because there's so much fun to watch and with some of the young players. 
I like the Orioles, and I, I hope that they do well. They have a very good, very good roster. I just feel like with what they're going and the vibe that they're in the direction that they're going, um, I think they're going to do well. But at the same time, though, you never know. They might fall apart in the wild card or the division series. We'll see. I hope that I just hope that my bull prediction from about a month, month and a half ago, one of our episodes holds true and that the Marlins make the playoffs. And just a fun little stat for us, for our listeners, in terms of teams with the best record winning the World Series, there are 13 teams in history that have done it. Most recently was the 2018 Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, like I said, like sometimes even the best record, you're not guaranteed to win the world or not even go to, go to the World Series. Right. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, countless, countless top seeds have gotten upset over the course of history <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in any sport. Yeah. And, and the question is, I have is the Dodgers very quick, you know, and, and it's like, I don't think the Dodgers have the talent now again, you know, they might surprise people and they might win the whole thing. I hope not. Uh, but the Dodgers, the pitching is concerning because they have a lot of young players who had never been to the playoffs mm-hmm. first time for them. Um, and actually I'm looking at the bracket now. So yes, the Marlins as of right now, if the postseason ends of the day, the Marlins would be playing the Brewers. Okay, so that would be, I don't know, maybe the Marlins would beat the, uh, the Brewers, but I feel like the Brewers, they just, they have that team there. As long as the Marlins make the playoffs, I'll be happy. Um, but I could see the Brewers beating the Dodgers in the NLCS, and then um, and then the other wild card would be the D-backs and the Phillies right now. Uh, the Phillies are also somewhat of a World Series favorite just because they were in the World Series last year, and they're kind of going back. I could see the Phillies making a run going back to the World Series. But they haven't been like the team to be talked about, right? And sometimes actually, like the Braves, you know, they weren't really talked about in 2021. Look what happened. They surprised a lot of people. They go to the World Series. So who knows? It would be crazy if the Marlins were that, were that team and they go to the World Series. However, I just don't know if their roster is kind of built for the World Series. But again, I don't know. Uh, we're not – sometimes like we're completely wrong. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, we're going to see some – upsets here I, you know i don't think arizona i i just feel like arizona they're it might be another year for them i think next year or the year after will be when they kind of they kind of start you know because arizona you know they're not i mean they lost the white Sox today and they haven't been playing clean baseball however they've been playing pretty well but also they've been playing some poor teams you know as of recently so and you know they played the yankees the other day as well so um quickly american league orioles they got the number one seed rangers Rangers could be fun because I know that they were on a bit of a losing streak. I think the Rangers could be dangerous in the first year. I think they could be a world series favorite. I could see them sneaking into the world series twins will be interesting. And, and, you know, I think you mentioned last week, they finally, finally, they don't have to play the Yankees this year. (laughs) And I actually, I kind of am rooting for the, you know, the twins this year because, you know, you know, at the, you know, and I, I, I like the Mariners, but you know, I kind of like the twins because they kind of like, again, they've had to play the Yankees, so many times in the wild card division series, you know, you name it. So I'm hoping that the twins can somewhat sneak away into the division series. I think they're, they're a team that hasn't been talked a whole lot um, at all in baseball that, you know, they have some attention there. They have some decent young players there as well. And, and a very good pitchers, you know, they have very good starting rotation. Um, year in, year out, I, I kind of expect the blue Jays to do something, but I don't know the blue Jays. I, I don't know. something about them. I just don't know. Um, and then Tampa, I, I'm kind of rooting for Tampa because they haven't won a world series this year. And I, you know, I, I feel like they could have won it in 2020. Um, and you know, that controversial takeout by uh, Blake Snell by the manager there. But uh, I don't know, I, I guess my world series picks this year, I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to go with Brewers and uh, I'm going to go Brewers and, and Rays. What the heck I'll, I'll do Brewers and Rays. Actually, I'm going to change from Orioles. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the Rays this year. 
Well, I'm only looking at the current bracket. The only thing that I hope changes is that the Astros do not get that final wild card spot. I hope the Seattle gets it. Uh, that's the only thing I hope that I hope changes. Um, I don't think the Twins are going to win the division round. I think whether it's the Astros or the uh, Mariners, I think they're going to lose out that round. I think that if the Mariners go back, they have a chip on their shoulder because they want to give their fans a series win. Uh, so I think if that, so again, we'll have to wait and see, but I don't think that, I don't think the twins are getting out of that wild card round. Uh, when it comes to the Rays, I'm also looking is hoping that they do well. I honestly think they're, they could upset the Orioles in that divisional round. Mm-hmm. And I, th- and I think, and honestly, I think that if the Mariners or the Astros beat, take on the Rangers and that's in that divisional round, I think also that could be those, I think looking at the, Bracket, if you want me to pick upsets, I think those two division rounds could be upsets, in my opinion. I think the Orioles are too young and inexperienced. They're talented, but young, but their core players are too young. And the Rangers, I don't think they have the moxie with some of the injuries that they have, losing to Grom, Scherzer, etc. So I don't think they're going to get past that round. Uh, look at the National League. I, I, you know, for me, the toughest one for me to pick is the if it's the Marlins versus the Brewers. That's a tough one for me to pick because I don't have anything against either franchise. Uh, I was actually thrilled to see the, them upset the the Marlins upset the Cubs in two thousand three. Uh, go figure, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's Milwaukee's going to win that series. I think that the Marlins will put up a fight and take it two all the way. But I think Brewers upset them. Will win that series. Not upset. I think the Phillies will beat the Arizona, the Diamondbacks, if that stays that way again. Something can change there, but the with the uh, Diamondbacks, um, and I think I got to say I think the Brewers will upset the Dodgers. I just don't think the Dodgers have they have had too many injuries. Clayton Kershaw is too much of an uncertainty because he's right now their best pitcher that they have on the staff. I I don't I don't think the mighty Dodgers are going to make it out of the division round again. And then when I look at the Philly. I Bryce Harper is one of my favorite players. I would love to see him go back to the World Series. But again, I think it's this is the Braves to lose. I think they're going to take out the Phillies, go to the World Series. I think they're going to beat the Brewers and go to the World Series. My American so my pick for the National League is the Braves. American League Calling me crazy, I'm going to say the Rays. I'm going to say it's the it's the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be the Braves versus the Rays, and I think the Braves are going to win the World Series for the second time uh, in as many in uh, wait we're, we're in 2023, so the second time in three years. Yeah. So yeah, for mine, I have the Brewers and the Rays. I I'd love. I'm going to go with Brewers just because. I mean, both of those franchises haven't won a World Series. I think this is a year we're going to see one of those teams win their first World Series, just because. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of this. I know, like for both of us, I think that part of this, you know, might be just like, you know, we kind of want to see these teams, but also there's a world where this could happen. I mean, last yeah. year's bracket, first week or the first game, it was busted. It was so bad. Last year, I remember I had, uh, I think, Tampa Bay beating the Guardians in the wildcard round. It was just <laughs> the Guardians swept them, and I'm, and, you know, I lost the bracket immediately. So we'll see what happens here. But um, yeah, I'm going to have the uh, Brewers win the World Series against the Rays here. Um, Brewers, like I said, they have a sneaky team. They're, they, you know, whenever you go to that ballpark in, in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, in, in Milwaukee, it's always loud. It's always electric. Mm-hmm. And I think this year, you know, Brewers and I mean, the Rays, they like, again, like they were the best team to open up the season. They had that 13 and 0 season, you know, start to start the season. Um, you know, and, you know, there might be some other, like, again, like I think the Rangers, they could be a sleeper team in there. The uh, Mariners could be in there as well, but I'm just going to go with, you know, for the heck of it, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rays and the, uh, 
and the uh, Brewers, and then I'm going to have the Brewers win the World Series there. So, um, yeah. Uh, one thing's for sure, I'll be posting. I'll do the bracket. I'll be once it's finalized, and I'll post it on my social media pages. So if anybody wants to comment mm-hmm. or like, like or comment on it, go feel free to. So, uh, and again, maybe I'll change one or two things as we as I find out the final seedings, but we'll see. Yeah, I think I'm going to do ours um, on. I'm still thinking of the story or the uh, or the on the grid. Uh, part of me says mm-hmm. the story because I feel like story it gets a little bit more activity because you know people see it a little bit more. And I'll probably do something like a uh, you know uh, kind of like a question box and have people pick their winners of the uh, wild card and the ALDS and ALCS. And uh, we actually might do like a winner bracket type of thing on there. So just keep some of our listeners and our followers. Um, you know, kind of into the, into the, in the loop a little bit. And so, yeah, again, keep your eyes out for that folks. But uh, I think that will do it for today's podcast. That will wrap up the last podcast of the 2023 season. Of course, we still have a couple more months until the year ends, but you know, as we head into the off season, there's a lot to look forward to. If you're a Rockies fan, a lot of moves, a lot of uh, questions to be had. If you're a Rockies fan, um, because this Rockies team is on the mend. I feel like the, the ways, the only ways up. I mean, we. I feel like we hit rock bottom with the 100 loss season, but I, I feel like good things are coming, and there's a lot to be excited about. Um, please be sure to subscribe, follow, and rate and review all of our social media pages. Um, that will conclude this episode of the Rockies Now podcast. We love hearing from all of you, our wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Have a great day, everyone, and as always, go Rockies.